Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Cinematch Podcast, the podcast where we take different movies every week and debate slash rate them. My name is Cal Altimus, and I am one of your hosts, and joining me as he does every week is Mr. Nathan Sackle-Hannah. How are you, sir? I was going to do, I was really tempted to do a really shitty British accent the entire episode, but I thought, as soon as I started to do it, I was like, I can't pull it. I was going to, I was going to talk like, talk, talk like Hugh Grant. Uh, not Hugh Grant. <laughs> Yeah, you got the entire uh, episode, uh, uh, but um, shit, yeah, I couldn't do it. And uh, but yeah, I'm all right. I watched after many recommendations, including yours. Finally watched Iron Claw. Oh shit! Yeah, what do you think? Uh, I'm a I'm a different man. It fucking broke me. The the fact that uh, I said this to a friend of ours, the fact that they cut a brother out because it was too much tragedy for the film. And fuck's sake, just I know it's wild, isn't it? I watched it. With, I watched it with my friend, and um, there was a bit. Um, I'm not spoilers. It's pretty new, but there's a bit where there's a bit of like a one of the characters a bit going through a moment, and then it cuts, and then the phone rings, and then we both look at each other and we go, oh, "Fuck's sake!" Because <laughs> we know something's co- we know something's coming. It's such a good film, but so heartbreaking. Yeah, I was, um, I mean, I've watched it three times now, because <laughs> I am a big, big wrestling fan, so I only knew the story of the Von Erichs, but a lot of people that I know didn't, so I've watched it with people that had no idea, and it's the fit for me, I mean, you don't want to give too much away, but like the first half of that movie is really like happy, and re-watching it after, after you've watched it, going back to it, even the first bit kind of feels sad, when yeah. you're seeing them all like doing the thing, and I'm just like, I'm dreading what's coming, like, but that film, I fucking love it so much. I think everyone gives incredible performances. I can't believe none of them got nominated for Oscars or anything. I mean, agreed. After watching it, I was like, this is this is top tier. Is it just because it was out of the range or what? Or because it's just a wrestler? Like, people see it's just... It's, I think it's right. Zac Efron uh, really breaking the mould of what people see him as, I think. Yeah, he was fantastic. He was brilliant. Um, I think they all were. I think Harris Dickinson... Who played David, the the brother that joins him first? I think he was fantastic. Uh, like Jeremy Allen White, who obviously has got a lot of hype around, like the Bear and Shameless and stuff. I'd never, I've never watched any of that. So this is the first time I've actually seen him, and I thought he was brilliant as well. Yeah, agreed. I'd never seen him anything other than other than this. Thought it was really good. So it really makes me want to watch the Bear because he was really, really good in this. The dad hated him. Yeah, yeah, real piece of shit. Right from the beginning, I really hated him. Um, but I suppose that's the that's the point. Yeah, I imagine so. Uh, can I just say as well, you said you were going to try a British accent. As someone from England, you are aware that there's numerous accents in Britain, right? Yeah, but you know what I meant. Like You have a British accent, technically. The shitty Hugh Grant accent. The, the London accent. Where he, where he bumbles a lot and it's, it's all very upper class. Yeah, it's like the posh London accent. Yeah, it's what um, it's what Americans think us British people. Is that what the people in that town that has the small population think we sound like? Yeah, it's a, it's almost a bit what Eleanor sounds like. She's southern, so when she says things, sometimes I take piss out of her and replicate it like that. She's not far off that posh accent. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think I could put up with that. Sorry, Eleanor. <laughs> but you tried to do a Hugh Grant accent because we are discussing a Hugh Grant yeah, film yeah. today. We are doing. We're continuing our Valentine month. This is the second to last week. We really milked it uh, for rom for rom coms. But this week we've got a couple of Julia Roberts classics in Pretty Woman, um, 
starring Julie Roberts, obviously, and Richard Gere, and Notting Hill, starring Julie Roberts, obviously, and Hugh Grant. Um, two very different movies. Just the only reason they're really linked is because the same. It's it's Julia Roberts, and it's probably two of the best movies she did, especially in that genre. And it's two of her most famous movies. So we thought we'd do them together. Have you ever seen any of these before? I've seen Notting Hill before. And, oh no, I have seen both of them before. Yeah. See, I've never seen it. I'd never seen either of these before. Never. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I've, I don't know. Julia Roberts is someone I'd seen a few, not too many. I'd seen like um, I've seen Hook. Yeah. Which plays Tinkerbell. Yes. And I've seen that new one she did with George Clooney, which is kind of a, which is a rom com about divorced old people, which was good. Oh, but I've never. Yeah. She's not someone I've ever seen too much of. So this is like the first proper proper introduction to Julia, especially like in a prime. So yeah, it was interesting. Um, but we'll crack on then because obviously. I know we've both got work after this, so we're in a bit of a rush. <laughs> Talk about recording at the very last minute. Um, yeah, we well, need to we need to plan better. Essentially, yeah, but it's hard. Do you know when you ta- when your schedules are just fucking manic? Yeah, agree. Like it feels like not got a minute to breathe at the minute. Um, but yeah, we'll crack on then. We'll start with a story. So we're not going to minute to breathe, but it's fine. We'll crack on with our podcast. Yeah, we'll t- <laughs> we'll, this is priority. We'll do it. Yeah priorities um but yeah we'll jump on to then the story uh as i said they, they are kind of different but there's also a few similarities in the sense it's two it's it's a man meets a woman who would come from very very different parts of the world and i don't mean different countries um in one case yeah, yeah. in one case very much true and the other is la and new york i think um but yeah so in pretty woman you've got richard gear playing a very very successful businessman who I think he's a millionaire. I'm not quite sure. He's clearly just, I think the film just wants you to know he's rich. Yeah. Because there's a moment when he says he's going to get a billion to buy a business and he says I need to get stuff from the banks and stuff. So I, m- I imagine he must have at least a million. They can't be lending him all that. So I'd say he's a millionaire who meets a hooker. With a heart of gold. You are? A hooker with a heart of gold. Yeah. Who he eventually pays £3,000 to spend the week with him. Um, and calls it nothing more than a business transaction. But of course, as any rom-com expert knows, they eventually fall in love during that week. Um, and then in Notting Hill, you've got Hugh Grant playing a a travel book store owner in Notting Hill, London. Why not? Which sounds like the worst business idea ever. Yeah. Um, and he meets a famous actress played by Julia Roberts who enters his store one day and they embark on a wild, like, romance which spans months in his on and off until the end where they eventually figure things out as well um i'll go first then and i went 10-9 in favor of notting hill because i think pretty woman's story while it's entertaining to watch it's also a bit dodgy like that this this millionaire old man is paying this young woman to spend time with him and the the, the thought like it doesn't really seem very like that it should actually like that's actually some a situation where you'd fall in love. It just seems a bit more creepy than anything to me that he was wanting to pay that way. I think the Notting Hill storyline, I quite enjoy. I think I like the, the the London setting. It feels very, very British. Do you know why um, that? Yeah, but some movies don't, you silly bastard. But it feels <laughs> like it feels like London's like a character in that movie. And I don't know if it's just Hugh Grant and how great he is, but I love like the stuff with um 
the 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 side of Julie Roberts' fame, like when he goes to meet her and he has to pretend to be a journalist, or when the press show up outside his door, or even the press conference at the end. I just I love all that sort of stuff in it. Um, so I went ten nine in favour of Notting Hill. Interesting. Gareth, so in Pretty Woman, Vivian is the worst businesswoman ever <laughs> because she's like. Three hundred pound for it's like an hundred pound an hour, or three hundred pound for the night. Love that's that's shit business. Yeah, but I suppose she's probably putting into account that she's going to have like a six hour break. (laughs) Yeah, I she is undercharging, especially when she clearly knows he's a rich guy. She is undercharging. I need to get it off my chest before I forget. Um, I quite like the story in Pretty Woman. It's it's a bit creepy, um, but I like how. You know, she wants an out and she slowly becomes accustomed to this world and then she keeps getting these reminders that she's not from this world and he doesn't seem to care. But at the same time, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of these. We spent a couple of days together and now I'm in love. We've talked about that before. Where it's it, People seem to fall in love really, really quickly. And I know that's part of, the, part of the thing, but especially if you're being paid and you know he's going to go back and all that kind of stuff. And I mean... I we'll get onto it later, but I don't really buy that she's a hooker at all. Um, a hooker with a heart of gold, maybe, but um, I she doesn't give off those vibes. I don't know if it's because it's um, Julia. Do you Rose. know many? Uh, I was gonna. Do you know what I was gonna say? I know your mum. <laughs> <laughs> well, your mum listens to this sometimes, so I'd probably I probably shouldn't. And if um, you watch it, I apologise for Nathan's actions. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good reaction. That was uh, no, no, a few. Um, uh, but no, I also prefer. I would ten nine in favour of Nottingham. I also prefer. I like I like you said. I like the um, I like the fame aspect of it. I don't like how quickly, like they literally meet and then they get a bit of orange juice spilt on them and then they kiss. Like I don't like how quickly that happened. I think that's supposed to be framed as though her being really like wild and spontaneous. Like he's shocked at that as well. I don't think Mm -hmm. that's supposed to be like this romantic thing where they both kiss. She just kissed him out of nowhere and he was like, well, what the fuck? Yeah. And I was just about to say that before you cut me off, but um, it's fine. It's fine. You're You're just talking nonsense. I'd step in. (laughs) Um, But yeah, all the fame stuff, the the two, like the, I really like that bit after they get caught by the paparazzi where. He's trying to be like, he's trying to be rational and talk to her about her world. And she's like, You've been in it for five minutes. I've been in it for 10 minutes. I've been in it for 10 years or whatever. Yeah. Uh, really, really like that kind of dynamic. So, yeah, 10 9 in favor of um, Vic. Plus, it's, it's, I think it's just a more well rounded story in that Pretty Woman kind of goes up and down a bit. And it's not really, I don't know, it doesn't seem as focused as not, Notting Hill does. Um, with its characters, the characters kind of change quite a bit um, and are a bit non-consistent, whereas all the way through Notting Hill, Hugh Grant is annoying as fuck, um, Julia Roberts is perfect, uh, Spike and everybody, they're all fantastic. But yeah, I've, and there's more time in Notting Hill as well, so automatically, for a romance story, that gains points. So yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough, yeah. Uh, we'll move on to the Open then. Um, 
the Notting Hill open is, is, is about as standard as a rom-com open as you can expect. So I feel like I've said these words <laughs> every week. Every week in the sense that it just quickly lets know the character. So you've got the Julia Roberts montage of her being a famous actress and then the Hugh Grant voiceover, which to his credit, always fucking works. That guy can do a voiceover. Like it is spot on. Love actually vibes. Like he he it, there's something about Hugh Grant voice doing a voiceover film, and I'm just like, let's go. We're fucking in for a ride here. And it just shows like his life and like where he lives and the job he's got. And he quickly explains his situation um with his wife leaving him and his roommate. Um and then the pretty woman opening is quite different. It still paints a picture of who the characters are, but it does it doesn't do it in that conventional way. It opens up at this sort of party, um, which Richard Gere's character Ed Edward is attending. And we see him on the phone to his girlfriend who's leaving him because he's not very present with her. And everyone's talking about him at the party, and then he leaves early and takes um his lawyer's very posh car with him and then it transitions to julie robertson we see like a little montage of her getting ready for a night on the streets like putting the the outfit on and doing it very uh seductively i must say with the wig and stuff um so avoiding, they do avoiding the landlord and just really really i think it really the opening for a pretty room woman really like this guy's rich and doesn't care but this woman is poor but she's got a heart of gold yeah 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 so it does paint a picture of who the characters are similarly to Notting Hill but it doesn't do it the same sort of by numbers fashion um so how did you score that uh well Notting Hill I think I really like the effectiveness of Notting Hill's opening because obviously that's clearly a lot of footage from Julia Roberts actual career and I like how it's all glitz and glam and then Slowly, I like there's a slow fade at the beginning that I was going to use for the teaser, but I forgot among many things, I forgot certain scenes I wanted to use. Um, but it's like her face and it slowly fades into like Hugh Grant's normal, just kind of walking around, um, bit which I really, really like. And then, I mean, I'm not really a fan of um, narration over stuff. Um, nor am I a fan of Hugh Grant's face or voice, um, but it does work quite well in Notting Hill. It's quite, it's quite dry and funny, um, but I do prefer Pretty Woman over Notting Hill, just because it. I think it's like I say Notting Hill. While they're both very by the numbers, Pretty Woman has got um, just that little bit of edge by showing. I mean, you don't immediately see the characters. You see um, Philip his lawyer and you kind of get this vibe that Edward's already is a disconnected kind of distant character because he's not even at the party yet he's off doing business or no he's off breaking up with his girlfriend um and he doesn't seem to care when you meet him he's just so doesn't care when he gets um when he wants to leave he just gets in somebody's car he doesn't care he's like give me the car he's just going he's rich he doesn't give a fuck and then even if he doesn't really know how to drive the car he just takes it and leaves um, and then with Vivian, like, like I say, like she's avoiding the landlord. You immediately get that. Yeah, she's hiding money in a toilet. You know she's not in a good position. She's dressed in seductively, <clears throat> very seductively. That wig works. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I just think it's whereas Notting Hill is this person's famous very, very clearly. This person has to have a narration as to why he's not famous and what the situation is. I just think 
Pretty Woman does it a lot better with visually and like using the story to tell that um, tell these characters' positions rather than just straight up Hugh Grant using his stupid stupid bumbling narration. I hate it. But we'll get there. See, I take exceptions to that because I think Hugh Grant is a narrator fucking works. Have you ever seen Love Actually? It's spot on. It's always spot on. Dislike Love Actually with a passion. That's a terrible opinion. (laughs) Um... (laughs) I say all that to say I actually agree and went 10-9 in favour of Pretty Woman as well. Yeah, of course you did. Because I like I like I said when I was describing it, it's just a little bit different. And I like the stuff at the party with, like I said, Philip and the way he interacts everyone. And then we see Edward on the phone to his girlfriend. And it is clear that he just has no like emotional connection to her. And it is just the convenience of having someone there. Um, and we get him taking the car in that, which is a really funny moment when Philip's like freaking out about him taking his... Uh, it's a lotus um and then the stuff with julie roberts as well but what really tips over the edge i don't want to step too much on the music later but it plays one of the fucking greatest songs of all time in that 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 opening uh, it's the best way to kick off a movie and that's king of wishful thinking by go west which i think is a fucking absolute bop and i didn't realize it was in this film um so i was very happy to hear it when it was so that tipped it over the edge for me and i went 10-9 in favor of pretty woman as well strict i mean i probably would have gone for it anyway but King of Wishful Thinking was the icing on the cake because that's a fucking absolute anthem. Um, I do think that, um, I don't know who it is that sings it, but she, um, whilst it's playing over uh, Anna Scott's footage. Oh, I think that's Elvis Costello. Yes, it is. And um, I think that's a really effective way to, like effective music to put over the thing because it's not, it's very glamorous. It really paints this picture that she's such this big star. But I, 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 We'll, I'll wait till we get to the female lead category, actually. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a, both effective use of music, but Pretty Woman, hundred percent much better. Yeah, I've said yeah. this before. Like when when I watch a film and immediately look up if I can get the vinyl for cheap because it's a great soundtrack. Pretty Woman's got that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it is. I mean, we might be spoiling the soundtrack, which we'll be talking oh, shit, about. Oh yeah, now. I forgot we were doing a soundtrack. Yeah, okay. Well, they both got good soundtracks. <laughs> yeah, anyone could win. Um, We'll move on then to the best ending, which, as I've said before, is very important as it wraps up a film. <laughs> it's a conclusion. <laughs> um, and these two, as almost every rom-com in the world does, the endings of these two movies are essentially about the characters realising their love for each other and putting differences aside and working things out. In Pretty Woman, you've got... I'd say it's from when... Vivian's character leaves and says this business relationship isn't enough for her with Edward and then he speaks to um, I think it's Barney the hotel manager who kind of makes him realise what he's missing out because he had that it's like the analogy with the necklace and he's like it must be hard parting with something so beautiful and then he rushes to her absolute dump of a flat like absolute cesspit of a fucking building (laughs) Um, to stop her before she leaves and he's at the bottom with the flowers and then despite the fact he's afraid of heights he climbs up those that, that is it like the ladders outside the house I don't really know what it's called the fire exit yeah climbs up the fire exit to be with her and it's nice little nice little gesture um, and then in Notting Hill similarly Hugh Grant's character realises after he turns down Julia Roberts um, he realises that he actually has 
messed up and he wants to move and he goes on this fun little chase with his friends who drive through London and they show up at a hotel and realise she's not there and have to move to this different place where she's cutting a press conference and he interrupts by asking a question in the middle and they have that really emotional interaction where she announces she's going to stay in London indefinitely and you get everyone really kind of clicks at the same time that he's this mystery man that she was snapped with earlier in the film and then they have that nice little emotional moment and then it cuts to some part in the future where they're just enjoying life in the park and she's pregnant um so they're both like i said it's, it's it sounds, really sounds so like, <sighs> and it's just rom-com ending isn't it these never these never sound different like this is like the fourth week now and i'm just explaining di- it differently each time but it's, it's always essentially the same is <laughs> was it not your idea to do rom-com all week all month yeah, when you talk about the endings over and over, you're like, fuck, these things aren't very inventive whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, I went 10-9 in favour of Notting Hill because I think the Pretty Woman end, I feel like it felt kind of rushed. Yeah. Because like, this guy, up until the end, was very adamant that he was this emotionless businessman. And one conversation with Big Barney, and he was like, fuck it, I'm going... And it was just the, the the gesture didn't feel as great either. Like he, he, this guy's a millionaire, and that's all he can do with flowers. Come on, man, you could do better than that. Yeah, he goes to, like he gets the cheap, cheapest, shittiest flowers from. Which that's I guess, Fiverr from Asda. That. <laughs> I guess it's like, like I'm getting something from your world, like I'm accepting your world kind of thing. But at the same time, mate, you just rented out like what was it, a quarter of a million necklace since you wore that a couple of days ago, and now you get by the like. Some daffodils that he picked from next garden. Like, fucking hell. <laughs> like, it just didn't feel as romantic to me. And I think it felt really rushed. Whereas I like the, the Notting Hill ending with the, the chase, like, not the chase, but like the racing through London um, and the way like his friends all play a significant role in helping him find um, Anna, which I thought was really fun. Um, and then the stuff in the press conference when he ask the question and then they have that interaction just watching everyone click in real time and realise who who he is and the, the way the cameras turn on him and the way she whispers um, I think no, when she, because the press conference manager's trying to cut it off and she's like stops him like no, no, we've got time for one more like I just think it it felt more exciting and, and it felt more unique like the Pretty Woman one felt very by the numbers that just show up at the last minute and yeah. before they leave. Whereas they're showing up in a press conference doing this thing in front of all these people. I just felt it felt different and not something I expected. And sometimes, like I said, when you're fucking repeating yourself week after week after week with these rom-com endings, it's nice to get something different. And that's what we got with it. So I went 10-9 in favour of that. Me too, because whilst, um, yeah, Pretty Woman is very... They fall out like she even leaves me out the money. Love, if you're that poor, take the fucking money. Yeah, I'd okay. still take it. I, don't I get care. it in principle, but take the fucking money. But like, it just seems very like she doesn't take the money. She goes, she decides to leave like fully, um, and on the way out, he just has a change of heart at the last second as he's leaving. By you know, by chance, the hotel manager's nice and is like, oh well, he took her home yesterday. And then he comes in the stupidest fucking looking seat when he's driving down, hanging out the top of the like car doing this. It's like you. It looks it looks stupid, and he looks fucking ridiculous climbing those things. If I were and he were like shitting himself over the first rung of ladder, 
I'd be like, mm, do I want this? It's a bit of an ache, isn't it? Yeah, but um, I don't bother then. Don't fucking bother, pal. Yeah, if you just come come up the stairs. What you don't need to come. You don't need to. The thing was never that he was afraid of heights. It was that he treated her like a hooker. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas Notting Hill actually, for rom coms, I feel like does a lot of things different. Like there's the whole. I would say the ending kind of is started when she's in the travel bookshop saying like she's just a girl stood in front of a boy asking him to love her and any other movie that would be where he clicks and says we okay let's do this or whatever yeah. or in Hugh Grant's uh okay um yes uh yeah so I I'd seen that scene before and I went into this expecting that to be the end yeah and you expect it and then he he turns her down and to be fair the logic behind it is pretty great like if when it eventually doesn't work because she's a massive star and he's not, he'll see her face everywhere and he'll be nothing to her. And I really, really enjoy that. Like, it's really, really good logic. It's logic I wish I could use, but you can't because I'm way more famous. Um, I'm going to podcast. <laughs> um, but then it also leads into the scene where you've got all of his friends that he's known forever who are like know that he's made a mistake but are being supportive but then you've got the best line in the film where Spike comes in and he says you daft prick <laughs> and that's what turns everybody around like it's brilliant and obviously you've got the the typical run through the airport scene where he's chasing around London and then you finally get in with another great line by I think it's is it Bella? I can't remember her name uh, the one in the wheelchair who's like yes I just um I'm doing a, I'm doing a, a piece on how hotels um, treat people in wheelchairs or whatever, and that's what gets them in. Brilliant line. And then you've got the like your press conference, which is exciting. Yeah, you get the bog standard ending of a glimpse at the future with a happily ever after. But and like him going into her world at the premiere, then them having their like shared privacy together in the private garden. Um, but I just think it just turns it on its head multiple times. Like he turns her like he's heartbroken. And then she turns, he turns her down. Then he makes a realization. She says she doesn't think there's another chance. He convinces her there is, and it's just like it is really, really exciting. Yeah, it's just a little bit different. Whereas the not the Pretty Woman one, like I said, it, it felt like it was just like that, like really rushed. There wasn't really much drama to that at all. Um, so yeah, we're in agreement there. Then so. <laughs> I know you've probably been waiting for this, so we'll talk about the the, male, the best male lead now. You've got Richard Gere as Edward Lewis, the, the very rich businessman who pays Vivian, the hooker, to spend uh, $3,000 to spend the week with him. And um, in comparison, you've got Hugh Grant, who plays Will Thacker, the book, the travel shop, the travel bookshop owner in Notting Hill, London, who... Um, meets this very famous actress so it's two very different sorts of male leads and you've got feelings about one of them so i'll let you go first i hate hugh grant i hate his face he looks like a normal person that was left out in the sun too long and his face melted he, he um his it's his voice it really grates on me it's is do you know what i like hugh grant modern Hugh Grant, who's doing weird, overacting, stupid stuff. Like, I love him in Dungeons & Dragons. He was one of my favourite parts of Paddington 2, a film that I really didn't like. Um, he's great in um, 
he's pretty great in Wonka, even though you can clearly tell he hates doing it. And all of the press stuff, you can tell he hates doing it, um, which I think is even better. But I think when he's in his rom-com days, he really grates on me because it's like, it's like his agent said, you need to be literally the most British person to have ever existed, more than the Queen, and you all, but you also need to be the most awkward person to ever exist. And it's just so fucking draining when he's talking. It's like at the press conference at the end when he's talking and he's, it's like he, I can't remember exactly what he says, but the line's something like, um, would you give him another chance? And a normal person would say, would you give him another chance? But he's like, would you possibly give him another chance? And you're like, oh, just fucking get the words out, man. <laughs> fucking get the words out. Um, but that being said, I went 10-9 in favour of Notting Hill because, <laughs> because he's just a better... Like, he is a better character than Edward. Like, Edward is... When I said earlier about inconsistency in characters, like, that is, that is Edward's. Um, he, it's like the film doesn't want you to ever believe that he's changing, but they also want him to change. So they always keep him distant and despondent and not showing any kind of growth. But when he shows the smallest bit of growth by, rather than splitting up the company and selling it off, keeping it and building the boats together, it's like, that's supposed to be a big change. No, that just makes business sense. Like, it's not, like, it's, He's still a rich millionaire who's just making money, more money, a different way. Like, I think the only the only kind of redeeming moment for Edward, for me, is when he punches uh, Philip in the face um, for what he did. And yeah, it's it just. I feel like the film wanted to keep this stoic, distant, rich man, and have. Vivian elevate to him rather than him stoop to her and it just doesn't work for me I mean he's funny sometimes and he's pretty he's pretty interested to watch but it's not yeah it's not like when all of a sudden he's like on the park having picnics rather than rather than working and stuff like that after two days it's especially after like the first dinner when he just doesn't he's very much just like no this is fucking business kind of thing it's yeah whereas William I mean as much as I hate him he is charming you can kind of understand why Anna Scott would trust him enough to come back to hide out there and as she's there like fall in love like and there's that moment when he goes to the set and makes that decision um because she overhears him like that's understandable like you would 100% think that she's just brushing him off and stuff like that so as much as I hate early late 90s early 2000s Hugh Grant I must admit that William Thacker is a is a better character coming into this when you said you had all these things about Hugh Grant I didn't expect you'd actually give him the win but I agree I went 10-9 in favour of Notting Hill because I mean I don't actually mind Hugh Grant and I thought the cat like you said I think the character is charming and I think he, some of the one-liners he come out with and the self-deprecating humour it works for me and I thought it was quite funny um I like the way he stood up for himself as the movie went on. I like that he left after overhearing her saying those things about him. I like that as it went on, he stopped being as much of a pushover because early on he'd let her get away with anything, whereas towards the end, he really found his feet and like turning her down in the shop and mentioning when she says all those nice things, he said, oh, 
well, I heard you say all these things and just watching her freeze and it's like, yeah, I'm glad he fucking brought it up and he stood up for himself. And some of the stuff he says at that point when he was like, you're going to push me to a side, which I completely expect. Um, and it's like, but I'll, it's going it, to, like, and he essentially says, like, it had hit him too much. Like, I like that he's sensible towards the end. Whereas Richard Gere, there is something likable about Edward, but at the same time, like, he's quite like a, a nasty prick like I get that he's nice to Vivian but he's also constantly trying to change her like when they go for the meal and then that really posh place and he's like almost embarrassed by her at the table and then taking her to the opera and lying to the old woman about what she said like and when he's embarrassed by her actions in the hotel it's like why are you spending so much time with a woman if you're embarrassed by who she is like it, yeah it, why why go through all this hassle to hire somebody that you didn't yeah. really need to really just yeah. to just to kind of go, well, change this, change that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously she is a hooker. That's the whole point of it. But he does, when they have the argument and he gets the money, he doesn't even give it to her. He just places it on the bed. It's like, it is such a, a low, like a low blow. And, like, he knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, there were just moments where he was a bit of a prick. And then his gesture at the end just wasn't anywhere near as romantic. So yeah. that, that bit where he says, I've never treated you like a hooker. And she says, you just did. Um, good, yeah. good moment for Vivian. Big, right. big moment for Viv. That. Yeah, um, yeah, and like he wants, like he starts out by saying, "I want you for the week. I want to hire you for the week to do this, this, and this, like be his companion for the week." But then, still very happily indulges in the what a hooker actually does because he's paying for it anyway. There's no, there's no point there. Where I'm, I'm ever feeling that he's like got, actually got feelings for her. No, no, it's and also he's like in his mid forties and she's like early twenties. It's just a bit like fucking get a woman your own age, you creepy grey haired folk. We, well, we both know <laughs> there are people out there that yeah. have issues. Um, yeah. But now there's also that bit like at first chance he tells his lawyer that she's a hooker and he knows his lawyer's a bit of a creepy weirdo and like. Yeah, it just all everything he does doesn't scream the ending. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's uh whereas Hugh Grant, you can see why Anna Scott would fall for a man like that. Whereas Vivian, it feels like she's fallen for the money. Like this guy doesn't really deserve her. Um we'll move on then to the, the best female lead, both played by Julia Roberts. You've got Vivian in I don't know her last name. What's do you know her last name? No, I'll look it up. So you've got Vivian in Pretty Woman, the young I think she's supposed to be 20. I think Julia Roberts was like 23 at the time. Uh, the young hooker whose life has gone to shit up until this point. And she's, by way of circumstances, she's found herself in this job, living in this really dirty apartment with her friend who is a liability. Um, and she's just not in a good place. Vivian Ward. Vivian Ward. But she obviously meets Richard Gere's character, Edward Lewis, and then things spiral from there. And while she's like, probably at the bottom of the financial fucking pyramid. Annie, Anna Scott in Notting Hill is the complete opposite. She's this famous actress who, when she's speaking to one of Will's friends early in the movie, reveals she gets paid millions per movie. So she is like the big yeah. fucking deal. She is Julia Roberts, essentially. Yeah. It's a great she's just playing herself. It's a great scene when he's talking down to her thinking she's in like a background. She's like players in the back garden or something. Yeah, she's like a background extra in Heartbeat or something. And she's like, yeah. and the last movie I got, what, like two point something million. And he's like, 
<laughs> his fucking face drops. Yeah, but... and then when he finds that it's out of Scott, he's like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so that, she, she, she's the complete opposite. She's this actress. Um, and while the jobs are very different, so are the personalities. So I'll tell you now, I went 10-9 in favour of Pretty Woman because while you hate Hugh Grant, I couldn't stand Anna Scott. I thought she was fucking awful. She was a nasty, nasty woman. I'm going to need explanations because I'm going to have to. Ex- I'm going to be the one that's going to have to explain this to Grace. So if you could do part of the work for me, because every time you have an opinion she doesn't agree with, I have to explain it for. I have to, <laughs> I have to take the heat for it or defend you. <laughs> She's just not very nice to him at all, ever. Like, first talking, of all, who you talking about? Anna Scott or Grace? <laughs> Either or, apparently Grace is nice about me, fucking beef for my decisions all the time. Um, <laughs> no, like, obviously the first bit's really nice, and that first, when they first meet and they embark on that mini romance, I was really like, I don't think I stopped smiling throughout it all. I thought, this is fucking awesome. Like, she's great, he's great. This is, she's really down to earth. Like, the scene when she meets his friends, I thought was awesome. I thought she's really likeable. And then we find out she's got this boyfriend, played by Alec Baldwin, and she just didn't tell him about. And then when he leaves, she makes no attempt to Probably offer is. an explanation. She just ghosts him for fucking God knows how long till he runs into her again. Um, and then she only comes to stay at his because she needs somewhere to hide. She uses him for a hiding spot, which she says on the phone to her at the agent, this great idea. Like, it was an idea to hide there. It wasn't to see him. It was to hide there. And then when she says she's going to regret it for the rest of her life, and he's like, fucking hell, like, Jesus Christ, I'm having a great time here. Like, be nice to me for once. Like, and then over here and just chat shit about him to that other actor, like, oh, he's no one. I don't even know why he's here. Like, there were just a lot of moments in it where she just treat him like shit. Yeah. And it just wasn't very nice. Like, I get you're a fucking famous actress and that, but like, don't treat him like the shit on your shoe for no reason. Like, this is a human being who has done nothing wrong to you at all for this film. Like, he's been nothing but nice. But there were just loads yeah. of moments where, like, even when the press showed up and she was just shouting at him, it's like, it's not his fault. Yeah, I was, about, I was just about to say is that line when it's um, she's like, "Well, it's all right for you. You get you will always be the one that's seen as like the, the man that slept with Anna Scott." You're like, "Fucking hell, love, calm down." Yeah, like, and it's just it was those moments, and when she just has no filter in front of him, like when, like I said, when she finds out the press outside and she rings them like, "I need help," she went, "This great idea that didn't work," and it's like, "Oh, you were you were using him for a hiding spot because." you knew where he lived and you, that is a place you can stay for as long as you want without any publicity being around. Like, it just felt really, it felt rude. Like, it just, and like I said, she was cheating in the first place. She had a boyfriend she didn't tell him about. Then the shit when she was chatting shit behind his back and then going to see him after he walked out and having the fucking nerve to be like, oh, well, why should I tell him your business? Like, it's not like, it's not about telling him your business. It, you, you could, like, keep it to yourself. You don't have to tell him anything, but... You didn't tell. You did tell him something. It was just nasty things. Like if she was like, "Oh, not none of your business," then it makes sense. But she actually told that actor that he was like a nobody, and she didn't understand why he was there. So she did tell him stuff. It just wasn't good stuff. Uh, and I just think that's why I think it's so satisfying when Hugh Grant stands up for himself and turns it on at first. Like fucking, she treats him like shit for like three quarters in the movie. Like fucking good for you, sir. So yeah. Whereas I think Vivian. Is incredible. Like I think she's so like like larger than life and bubbly. And the moments where she refuses to let these people in this new world like drag her down or treat her like shit, and she's 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 determined to not lose herself. Like the moments when 
she's in front of the lift and the couple are glaring and she like re- makes that really exaggerated thing about the fact she's not wearing any underwear. Or when she talks to the old woman at the ballet at the opera and she says she enjoyed it so much she almost peed her pants. Like there's just moments where her personality shines through and she's she's not afraid to stand up to Edward despite the fact he's this big, rich, powerful man. Like I think it's a great, great performance. Um and there's just so so much more to like about Vivian in my eyes than Anna. So that's why I went with Pretty Woman. Now Grace, beef me. Can you calm down, man? Yeah, like, fucking beef that Grace. Tell me I'm wrong. I agree. Um, oh, here you go then. So she'll beef you and all. Fucking Sam. She always beats with me. It's fine. Um, yeah, Anna Scott is, and like you say, in that first half, she is really likable. But as the film goes on, I, yeah, like when he walks away from the set and leaves, like <clears throat> she chases after him and gives him like, a massively expensive like original painting that he probably he doesn't want like he doesn't need and it's like she's trying to buy him back like that's the way she does it and while the line of just a girl stood in front of a boy asking her to love is a great it's a great line and that you expect it to have won everybody over like it's I don't know she's just she does too much to not redeem herself by the end, I think. And I'm not going to repeat everything you said, but yeah, 100% everything you said, that it's all fine and well as long as, like, it's a secret. And as soon as the world knows about it, she becomes a bit of a bitch again. Um, Whereas Vivian doesn't change throughout the entire film. If anything, the only change that she has um, is that the whole ordeal makes her remember what she wanted to do in life. She, like, doesn't become... You know, she doesn't become the rich girl. She doesn't become the person that thinks she's better than everybody else. In fact, the first opportunity she gets um, with the money is to go back and rub it into other people's faces in one of the best scenes of the film where she goes in and says, big mistake, huge. Um, And uses, like, her personality still shines through. Every moment with Barney is fucking spectacular. Like, the way she treats him with respect because he's the only one that's treating her with respect. Like even her friend Kit kind of like isn't treating her with respect because, you know, she's using rent money to get drugs and all that kind of stuff. There's nobody around her that is there for her. Barney's the only one that is. So like, that's the more positive relationship in the film, way more than Edward, obviously way more than, clearly way more than Philip. And you can, it's, she, it's, I think it's great that she almost loses it at that polo match. She almost forgets who she is until she's reminded. Um, but she never does. And I just think it's like there's loads of little scenes, like the scene when she's in the bath um, singing. You just get like a really down to earth look at who this person is and that, that she doesn't deviate from that the entire film. Plus, yeah. I'm going to say it because we find a way to do it every week. Fucking hot in this movie. Yeah, Julia Roberts is a very good-looking woman. If she takes that wig off. Whew. Yeah, and also I think there's like a vulnerability to the character which we get to see at times, which just makes it so much more impactful and enduring. Like the stuff with when she, um, when Philip's character goes to her at the horse race and event, and he's like, when he finds out she's a hooker and he like says maybe they should do something, you can see how uncomfortable she is. And then when she tells Edward that she made him feel like a prostitute like there's just something there like you see this sort of like uh, like I said a vulnerability which you don't really get too much with Anna like she just comes across 
a bit up our ass at times. Whereas Vivian, maybe v- Vivian and Will should have got together. That would have been that would have been ideal. Put them two together oh, instead. No, that would have been it. I don't think Will would have been able to handle that one. No, probably not. Um, we'll move on then to the best version of the couple. Um, obviously, both movies have these <laughs> couples that we've spoken about. Neither of us like either of the couples. So we, don't it, like, we don't like 50% of them. Can we can we vote Vivian and William? <laughs> so, yeah, this is going to be hard because you've got the pretty woman couple, which is Vivian and Edward, the hooker and the billionaire, well, millionaire, should we say. And then you've got Notting Hill's couple of Will and Anna, the bookshop owner and the actress. Both couples obviously go through some shit between, throughout and then they end up together. Um, how, I mean, I don't really know how much to, more to describe. So how would you score it? Because they're both quite questionable. Um, I <clears throat> Have I ever refused to score something on this one? <laughs> I don't think so. Um... Yeah, I'm going to have to go 9-9 to both because I can't score one above the other and neither are good. Um, so I think Edward and Vivian don't work because Edward, Ed, Edward is trying to... Um, he's constantly trying to change it and even when he's accepting of her at the end, he you know pulls up in a limo and obviously wants to take her into his world. I just can't imagine that that working. Like I think she has feelings for him that she can't change because she got too close. You know, she kissed him. Um, She got too close. And I don't think that he will change. Once he gets back to real life in New York, it doesn't seem like something that will will have this massive overhaul of his life. He'll get back. He'll go back to making money. He'll probably regret his decision on the boat making because he's probably going to lose a fucking lot of money. And he's just going to go back to being stoic and rich guy whereas I think she would be stifled and probably feel like she needs to change for him uh, and same with the Anna, Anna and William I think although it shows you the happy ending it just I just don't I just don't see I don't like Anna <laughs> either um, and I probably think that will where you could, could have done better. Like em- Emily Mortimer was in that film. She was perfect. She was perfect in every way. She was she perfect. said that as well. She was perfectly British. Uh, he's perfectly British. But she can actually be British and say her sentences in one full sentence rather than dragging it out over five minutes. But I've, I've, other than that, they would have been great together. But I think, yeah, I couldn't decide on that. I can't decide on either. Because I just don't like either of them as a couple. I think William had the right idea by saying, look, I think it probably would have, like, I get it's not the traditional rom-com, but, and you would have missed out on the great press conference scene. But what an ending it would have been if after all of that, he was, the man was the one to decide that he didn't want to be heartbroken. So he moved on with his life. Because it's all, it's never the case. That's never the case in movies. It's, it's also never the case that the man, isn't the one to realise and make the big romantic gesture. Like, how many movies do you remember where it's the other way around and the woman makes the big gesture? Because there can't be many. Yeah. But um, I went 10-9 in favour of Notting Hill because I think it's the lesser of two evils. <laughs> like, <laughs> You can change the score at any time. The pretty woman, that's, there's no future there whatsoever. 
Like, I think the way they got off the start of the relationship, like the way things kicked off and the way it, like that first like week, I just think there's some obstacles there that you'll never be able to overcome. Like, I don't think he'll ever be able to look at her as anything other than like someone below him. I don't think he'll look at her as his equal ever. I think it's, I think he'll never stop treating her like that. I don't think like giving her money to go keep herself occupied. That's not, like when he was saying, like, I get this house and that like, you can be there and do these things. I just don't imagine he'll ever be present enough to ever make a relationship like that genuine. And they'll both just be miserable. And it'd be one of those where they probably be married we in six months and divorced we in ten. Like yeah. I feel whereas, like I feel like he's also the kind of person that people would say, Oh, what, how did you meet? And he'd go, She's a hooker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, although it also wouldn't surprise me if he'd lie about it because he seems embarrassed. Yeah, that's also true. Well, I think Anna and Will, she she obviously treated him like shit numerous times throughout, but I think the fact is that film takes place, what, is it like over the course of a year, a year and a half? Like There's months that go by and they still somehow keep coming back to each other. Like, despite all this time passing, their feelings are both still very strong, which... I suppose, it, it, I mean, it lends more credence than a week. Yeah. Um, so I think that on that basis alone, and the fact that we see that little flash forward, she's pregnant, and they seem to be happy and content in life. Um, the romantic gesture at the end just felt more genuine. Um, they both had these big declarations of love. Like, she obviously had her scene, which is where most normal rom-coms would have ended, but then with a twist, he says no, and then eventually he has his scene. Like, I think that the fact that they both do that it just it strikes me that the relationship is much more genuine like um i just think there's more chance for them to work it out despite the fact she tried that shit for three quarters she she needs she needs to learn a lesson and hopefully she's nice now i mean she took she said in the press conference she's taking a break from acting so maybe this little career break this little mini retirement she's she's all right and then when she goes back to action she's a dickhead again who knows but i think she needs to take a career break from acting because the films, the clips of the films and the stuff that it shows that she's in makes her look shit. She needs a new agent is what she needs. Fucking space straight into that a submarine and then into this fucking period piece. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, she doesn't, yeah, she needs a, she doesn't need a new fella. She needs a fucking, a good agent and get her in. Like, what would be Anna Scott's equivalent, do you reckon? Like, modern day equivalent of just women, that, like a woman that's just in a, maybe Scarlett Johansson is just fucking in everything, good or bad. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question, actually. My mind's gone blank. Some of that's just in pretty much fucking all sorts. I mean, Dakota Johnson sounds like a good idea right now. <laughs> yeah, except Ma- for Anna Scott Ma- seems loved throughout the world, whereas Dakota Johnson, not so much. She's got Madam Web and the Fifty Shades franchise. That's just fucking... That's just straight-up garbage. Scott Johansson's a good shout. Yeah, I think... Probably the best, the closest one. I've just said famous actresses, and Julia Roberts is number two. <laughs> maybe, maybe she's like Margot Robbie. Oh no, Margot Robbie does Margot good. Robbie does good stuff though. Yeah, I would say either Margot Robbie or Jennifer uh, Jennifer Aniston, Scarlett Johansson. I suppose Scarlett. she's. It's not on the actress's abilities, but a woman that seems to do fucking everything is Anne Hathaway. Yeah, that's true. She seems to be in fucking all sorts. She does like the weird sci-fi stuff, the rom-coms, the fucking drama. She does a bit of everything. But they're usually good, so 
Never mind. But yeah, and I needed a new agent, but the couple seem like they last longer, so they get me. They get ten. And like I said, I just think the longevity of the build-up, it just like it. There's more like legitimacy to it than a week. Like, you don't know fuck all after a week. You don't love someone after a week, and like the next week, the very next week, you could be like, oh yeah, I'm not actually that into you. Whereas I think Anna and Will have been into each other, like, and have these deep feelings for, like, over a year, because each time there's months that pass, and then when they see each other, it's the exact same, so it just feels more genuine, um, and I I just believe in them more. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about the rest of the cast, then, because both movies have the uh, decent supporting casts. Um, Pretty Woman's obviously got um, Jason Alexander as Philip, it's got Hector, is it Elizondo? I don't know his last name. Eli, Eli, Elizondo, Elizondo, I can't remember. Um, as Barney. Um, it's got that Laura Sanguiacomo, I think it's pronounced, who plays Kit. Yeah. Um, all great roles. You've got the the man that he's doing business with, the old man, James Morse, who's played by Ralph Bellamy. Uh, you've got his, so, um, his son, whose name I can't remember. But it's it's a strong cast of um, interesting characters. Some some that play very important roles, and then in Not and Kill, you've obviously got a, a huge supporting cast, which is mostly just Will's friends. You've got more overly British people. Yeah, you've got Hugh Bonneville as Bernie. You've got Emma Chambers who plays his sister um, brilliantly. You've got James Dreyfus who plays. Uh, Martin, who works in the shop with him, you've got is it is it it's Reese is it Ethan's or Ethan's? I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Reese Fons. Yeah, Ifons. Yeah, who yeah. plays Spike, his roommate, in a fucking incredible role. Um, you've got Alec Baldwin, who cameos as Anna's famous actor boyfriend at one point. Um, you've got, like I said, all of uh, Will's friends. Like, I don't know the woman who plays Bella in the wheelchair. Uh, Gina McKee. Yeah, she's great. Like you said before, you've got Emily Mortimer in a very, very small role. You've got a young Misha Barton who has like one scene when she's like 13 oh, years old. She's the kid, isn't she? Yeah, which I recognised immediately because I was a big OC fan. Um, and you've got Tim, is it McInerney as Max? McInerney. Yeah, who is with Bella. Um, yeah, it's it's... Both casts are relatively stacked, but I went 10 9 in favor of Notting Kill because I just think they play a much larger role. Like having all those friends and having their little stories, like having Will's sister, um, Honey, who's obsessed with Anna and like their interactions um, is really good. And then having her eventually fall for spike the roommate which is just absolutely ridiculous but really funny at the same time all of his interactions with will and anna when she first comes over and he's in the bathroom and he sees him he's like i have to make sure because he thinks he's dreamy um like all those characters have these very unique personalities and i think they all work really well even like bella and the wheelchair subplot and like how they can't have kids and like when you get that backstory about the accident it just I think it all works and Alec Baldwin always plays like a 
up his own ass acting really well. Probably because he is in real life. I don't know. I don't know him. But he always plays that role really fucking well. Like he does something similar in um Glen Gary, Glenn Ross when he comes in for one scene and he's just a really slimy, like obnoxious prick again. He's it's one of his four tiers. And I think he does great here. Um Emily Mortimer has got one scene and she's fantastic again. Like that woman is just so likable. Um apart from in Scream Free when she's Sydney's understudy kind of thing. But the pretty woman cast is good. Like Hector Elizondo, who plays Barney, I think he's awesome. Like I love him in Princess Diaries. I've got no shame. He's no, fucking going to say Princess Diaries because that's exactly that's literally the only other film I can ever remember. I'm sure we've watched a film lately where he was in as well. But um, yeah, he's great in Princess Diaries. He's fucking awesome in Princess Diaries, and he's awesome in this. Like he's really, really good. Like. His relationship with Vivian and their friendship is probably the most heartwarming and wholesome aspect of the film. The first scene when he's like quite sceptical and judgmental of her and then when he gets the phone and she thinks he's doing the police but he's actually ringing the, the, the uh, shop to help do her shopping with the woman and she like that really nice heartwarming moment and then every time we see him afterwards with her, like their interactions are great. Um, Jason Alexander as Philip, Philip's just like a real scumbag but he's he, he it's a good performance it feels a bit out of place in a rom-com. Like, he literally tried to sexually assault her, which probably doesn't happen in too many rom-coms. Like, that felt out of place for me. I mean, I think he's just uh, exemplifying the rich, sleazy rich sleazy person that he, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't value her as a human. Yeah, it's weird. The way he switches it when he finds out she's a prostitute, like, it just... Especially, it, it, you are? Especially the polo match that his girlfriend's there, and like his wife or whatever, who is clearly just like he's in control of as well. Yeah, yeah, he's grim, but like I said, it's a good performance. Uh, Kit's a great performance. I think that was fantastic, but I think because there's, I think it's there's, there's really only those guys that play a significant role, whereas the entire supporting cast in Notting Hill feel like they have their own personalities and their own things to do. Uh, they're all mini stories, so I went ten nine in favour of Nine Hill. Yeah, so did I. Um, Pretty Woman has got you got. I mean, Barney is the best character in Pretty Woman outside of Vivian. So I mean, it is it is a really small cast, but it does a lot with them. Um, but Barney is the standout. Um, Philip. I got, thought you said you really liked Philip. No. No. Oh. No. No. You. No. No. I said <laughs> that's not what I said. What I said was. When I was watching it, I, it made me laugh because it reminded me of you. Oh, right, yeah. I thought you said you could relate to him, but never mind. No, 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 no. It was a, I was saying that you could relate to him. No, <laughs> I was going to relate to him because he's, um, he's, he's clearly a man that's got short, like, short man syndrome, which Bernie, yeah. Bernie would yeah. like more than, more than us. Um, he doesn't listen to this, so it's fine. We'll slag him off instead. <laughs> he's never not listened to a rom-com episode either. No, of course not. Um, it's got not got Leo in it. We did no. do a single Leo this month. Have we done a single Leo ever? Do you know what? I don't think we have. No. Oh. Something for the future. Something for the future. Um, and Kit's just there, I think. Um, whereas, like you said, every everybody in Notting Hill has got a purpose. Everybody's got something that they contribute. Like, Spike is quite clearly the popular most one of the most popular characters come out of that film like when he goes out to the press and then comes back in and immediately checks himself out in the mirror like clenching his arse i think that's a pretty iconic moment in film 
unfortunately. I like when the bit like when he goes into the bathroom and goes back in to double check, it's it's fucking hilarious. Um he wearing the um scuba suit because he's got nothing else to wear because he doesn't wash his clothes, all that bit. His face when um honey's like, um, by the way, it's you, and he's like, Oh fucking yeah, let's do it, kind of thing. But it is that it is that moment when he walks in and goes, "You daft prick," uh, and it turns it turns it all around. Like it's it's one of those characters that I like that nobody takes seriously, but everything hinges on like his reaction to stuff or what they do. Really enjoy that. Um, everybody's great. Hugh Bonneville as um, Bernie, great as always. Like the bit when he's like talking about how much she makes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, fucking great. Uh, I love how it is very, they're all very self-deprecating, but it's so much love around them. Um, like Bella, who's the, who clearly had a thing with William in the past, still loves him massively. Like the relationship between Bella and Max, um, like him carrying up upstairs and them saying they're not, they are not, they're not going to go without her kind of thing. Really heartwarming. Um I think that friendship group's amazing. And then Martin in the bookshop, fucking hilarious. Like, uh, what's, uh, what's he say? Who is, what's, um, oh, he asks, what's somebody like? And she's Patrick like, Swayze. Like, yeah, what's Patrick Swayze? He thinks he's in Ghost. Yeah, he thinks he's to be more. It's like, he's like fucking patting his head and whatever. He was like really popular in the 90s. He was on a show called um, Gimme, 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 which was massively popular. And, um, He's fucking hilarious, um, but it's just like the way the way he does like his lines when he's talking to her about um, the film and how he he says all that and he says massive fan. <laughs> it's like fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, it's just a it's just a stronger cast overall. Uh, Honey, obviously, really really quirky. Um, meets one put. She is the definition of thinking that they could become best friends with a famous person if they met him. Um, you know, I think all the cast are fantastic, other than Emily, Emily Mortimer, who's massively wasted by Hugh not ending up with uh, William not ending up with her. Yeah, I think you, you nailed it on the head when you said like the friendship group just feels genuine as well. Like, it, it feels real. Like, mm. the way they are just mocking each other at the table, that is the sort of thing you do with your friends. Um, quick shout out to Dylan Moran from Shaun of the Dead, who played the thief in the shop. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's trying to smuggle books down his trousers. Now, that was a really, really funny moment when he, when uh, William's saying, like, I know you've got him. He's like, what if I did have a book down? And, like, that shit was really fucking funny. Um, and then he and then he asked Anna out. It's just, it's that was a really funny scene. He comes in for one scene, and I just thought it was brilliant. Uh, so I wanted to give him a quick mention, because I forgot to earlier. Um, Surprised it, uh, did you notice... Uh... Because I point it out every time I watch it, um, Ahmed Jalili, he literally just gives some food to Hugh Grant, and he's in it for like a split second. You know the the guy that in Mamma Mia two that's in the passport, like checks the passport before that goes on the boats. Oh, I didn't know he was in it. Yeah, he was in it for like a second. Oh, I didn't even notice him. But he always blows my mind because he was in he was in the Mummy as well. Yeah, he was in the Mummy. That he's the guy that gets the scarab beetles in him, right? Yeah. Oh God, give me nightmares now. We were filming at the same studio, and that's and he was just he was just in it, just just popped in it and did a. Quick... That's crazy. That's crazy that they were filming at the same studio. Like, what the fuck? They couldn't have been more different. No, no, the uh, Notting Hill and the Mummy, exactly the same film. 
We we could have had an alternate universe where Ben and Fraser played Will. Nah, that would be believable. And then we'd have had Hugh Grant and um, the Mummy, which would have been strange. Oh, no. We need to do the Mummy. We'll talk about the soundtrack now then, because as you said earlier, the Pretty Woman soundtrack, pretty iconic. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, you want the, you had a look at the vinyl. Uh, there's there's one particular song which it's very well known for. Similar with Notting Hill when that came out, there was one song that it was known for, but also quite a solid soundtrack. Yeah. I'll just run through some of the songs now then, because like the one that everyone knows from Pretty Woman is "Oh Pretty Woman" by Roy Orbison, which became one of the biggest songs like ever from that film, and it's still synonymous with that film now. Um, but you've also got, like I said earlier, I King. Why, I wonder why. Because it's a good song. Uh, because the film's called Pretty Woman, Jimmy. <laughs> well, yeah, but like you could have a song in a film, but if it's not that good, no one's going to really remember it. Really. But this, the the song is called All Pretty Woman, so it's not the same title. Oh, I, I did my research. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like it's always got King of Wishful Thinking, which I've already said I fucking absolutely adore. It's got uh, Must Have Been Love by Roxette, which is also a great, great mm. song. The best song on that soundtrack. I it's King of Whistle thinking, I know, but we're talking about uh, must no, have been no, love. No, 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 must have been love. The, the, the my only problem with Pretty Woman is they cut out the drums at the beginning. The fucking drums at the beginning must have been love. Oh, they hit me in my soul. Yeah, it's great. It's also got Wild Woman Do, um, by Natalie Cole, which is also a great song. Um, but then. The Notting Hill soundtrack has also got some pretty incredible songs. Like I said at the beginning, it's got Ronan Keating, When You Say Nothing At All, which, let me tell you, the big Ronan Keating guy, what a fucking tune that is. What a fucking tune. You love it when he sings the word smile. Yeah, absolutely, I do. Um, You've also got Ain't No Sunshine, which is obviously an iconic song. Uh, We all mentioned She by Elvis Costello. Uh, You've got Gimme Some Lovin', which... It's a very famous song. Um, they just they both got some incredible, incredible songs. Like let's not forget Miss Shania Twain. She's got You Got Away on there. Oh, Great. I don't remember that one. Do you know what I noticed um when I was looking at it? Apparently the the US version of the soundtrack just has loads of different songs on. Really? Yeah, and I don't know why. Like uh, at the end of to, maybe to appeal to more American audiences, but that's a strange one. You'd think that, but I'm pretty sure. They've replaced Ronan Keating with just boys on. Ah, yeah, makes sense. Boys are all better. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, the US version has got No Matter What by Boys on. That's strange. Yeah. Um, maybe that's the only difference, actually. I'm having a look now. <laughs> oh, no, it's also got Ronan Keating. They just thought, you know what? This needs some more fucking boys on. Let's just get them on there. And you know what? Fair play to them. I, I agree. So... Not going to hold them back for that. But how did you score it? A tough one, but I think oh, I don't know actually. I'm going to wimp out and go 10 10. I think they both got great sound. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to go 10 9 to Pretty Woman because I can't stand when you say nothing at all. I do apologize. You scumbag. <laughs> I love the, the thing is, I think. Notting Hill uses its music a bit better 
and I'm specifically talking about one moment with the Ain't No Sunshine moment, like that scene where he's walking down the marketplace and the seasons are changing. So it's a great scene. And it's one of them where I'm like, how did they do this? I think I figured it out. They've done it. Wait, no, that doesn't make sense. How did they do it kind of thing? And it's a great moment with the music. Um, just works really, really well together. And like I said at the beginning, she works to accentuate um, Anna's kind of glamorous nature and how big she is. Um, when You Say Nothing at All, fucking terrible song. That's um, just a, a incorrect. Your eyes, were, your eyes went crazy wide then. He was like, no, that's... In- incorrect is what that is. But, I mean, Oh Pretty Woman, King of Wishful Thinking, and Must Have Been Love. I I didn't look for the soundtrack for Notting Hill, and I did look for the soundtrack for Pretty Woman. So that's how I'm going to score it on a weekly basis. Did I did the thought cross my mind on if I should buy this soundtrack or not? Quite, answer is, I'm pretty sure I've got a Pretty Woman soundtrack coming to my house, but I haven't got a Notting Hill. I don't think I could forgive myself if I'm going through my collection and I flick past the Notting Hill soundtrack. I could forgive myself if I had Pretty Woman on there. I don't know. I wouldn't mind having when you see nothing at all on the shelf. Absolute bop. I'm going to buy you the single so you can put it up on the wall. <laughs> I went 10-9 in favour of Pretty Woman as well. What are you um, complaining for then? You are? What are you complaining for then? No, I'm just complaining that you're bad-mouthing it. <laughs> Deserve some respect. Ronan Keating. Got some respect on me. Ronan Keating is that guy. Um, Notting Hill has got some good songs. And like I said, if you're going off the two main songs, because obviously both movies came out and they have these two, they had a these big songs that were linked with him, and it is all Pretty Woman, and it's when you say nothing at all. Like, those two songs are synonymous with the movies, and if you're going just off them, I would go in favour of Notting Hill, because I prefer um, Ron and Keaton and When You Say Nothing At All. But from top to bottom, the Pretty Woman soundtrack just shits on it for me. Like like I said, starting off with King of Wishful Thinking, which I, am a f- I fucking love. Like, I don't know why, and I don't even know when I first heard it. Oh, I do. When I first started at Haven, uh, so this is like 10 years ago now, shit, show me age. Yeah, you are getting on, mate. Yeah. They, um, they had, like, the, the dancers and singers, obviously, they put shows together. And my first year there, they had a show which was called Girls on Film, and it was all 80s songs from movies. And King of Wishful Thinking was in there, and it was the first time I'd ever heard it. And I was like, this shit fucking slaps. So I've been listening to it for 10 years since. And I just never, I forgot that it came from a film. And then I watched this and I was like, oh shit, here we go. Um, I, I, love, I, love, I love that they did um, Girls from Films and picked King of Wishful Thinking rather than Pretty Woman. They might have had Pretty Woman in as well. I can't remember. It's been 10 years. But yeah. all I know is for definite. Did they have anything from Dirty Dancing, the best one of the I best? I think. No, that's Hear It For The Boys from Footloose, right? That was in it. I can't remember anything from Dirty Dancing was in, but that film sucks, so that's probably why. Oh, wait till we do Dirty Dancing and I'll prove you wrong. (laughs) We'll watch it and tell you it's shit again. Um, Patrick Swayze's a creep. That man's like 30. If we did pretty... uh, We need need to do Dirty Dancing. I'll let you pick anything to go up against it. And if you still don't like that movie after watching it, then we're stopping the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> you'll get some time we'll get some time back we'll get an hour off an hour an hour and a half to two hours back a week grace will be happy that she can finally watch the films that she wants to watch rather than two films that i need to watch <laughs> oh yeah but she hates getting to watch not in killing pretty woman well no this yeah. one's not been this one's not been too bad but like most of the I mean, time heat in the town yeah most of the time it's like i want to watch films but i know you need to watch films like yeah i do <laughs> um 
back back to King of Wishful Thinking. Yeah, sorry. Great song. Uh, Must have been love. Fantastic song. Um, like I said, the Old Pretty Woman is a good song. Like, there's no there's no denying it. Um, it it's just it's just a better all round soundtrack. I I really like, and I, I don't think I'd heard it before, but the Wild Woman Do song I really really enjoyed. I'm not sure I'd heard that before, but that was quite catchy and. I'll probably put it on my Spotify soon, as I usually do. Um, so, yeah, 10-9 in favour of Pretty Woman, despite Ronan Keaton's fantastic, fantastic rendition. A smile on my face. That's how he sings. Incredible. Incredible. I didn't want to carry on just in case we got copyrighted strike with that perfectly, read, perfectly sang rendition. Yeah, and they thought we'd fucking just put Ronan Keaton on the, the, the podcast and uh, give a slap on this. Um, but, yeah, so... We'll talk about the legacy next, then. Um, how the movies have held up, how they were viewed at the time, like how popular they were and how they're looked at now. I went 10 down in favour of Pretty Woman because, I mean, it feels obvious. Pretty yeah. Woman is probably one of the biggest rom-coms of all time. And do you know what I looked at when I was looking into it? When this film came out, it was the fourth highest grossing film of all time. That's mad. That's fucking absurd because Julie Roberts had done, like, two things before this, like... How often do you get a film where it's like someone's breakout role, but it also is one of the highest grossing films of all time? That just doesn't really happen. For comparison, the fourth greatest, the fourth highest grossing movie of all time now is Titanic. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. I think, obviously, I think it made just under 500 million, but in 1990, how much is that 500 million worth now? God, you have to put the work in today, aren't you? Right. More work than you've been How many zeros five hundred million got? Five hundred million. What is five hundred million in nineteen ninety two today? I don't know if that's going to give me an answer. Um, oh wait, it will. It calculate. Come on. If it says six hundred mil, this is the most anticlimactic shit ever. I don't know. I don't know how to say that. <laughs> one billion, one hundred seventy-nine million eight hundred sixty-six thousand eight hundred five. For a now. rom-com, yeah, that's pretty fucking wild. Starring uh, Julie Roberts, who hadn't really done too much, and it's not that like Richard Gere was the most famous actor in the world. This is I'm really quiet, but that's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Like back then, that's a lot of money. Maybe maybe a hundred pound a night, three hundred pound a night for the for the three hundred pound a night for the night is that's maybe it was a lot of money. Yeah, maybe it was um, three grand a week. Big cheese, that big cheese. Um, yeah, it's just I think if if you ask most casual, especially casual movie watchers now, Pretty Woman is it's just, it's one of the best rom coms and it's one of the most popular rom coms and it's one that people adore to this day, whereas I don't think Notting Hill has held up the same way with the majority of people. I think, I think Notting Hill has got like a, I think it's got a lasting what was I going to say? It's got a lasting effect with British audiences, where I think Pretty Woman is pretty global. Um, yeah. And it also helps that it came out in the 80s, so there's like a massive, is it? Was it 80s? Like it's 80s? bang on 1990. Uh, well, like it does feel like the most 80s movie ever, yeah, but it's 1990. And it's, and it's like it's got that massive nostalgia to it, 
um, that films of that era have. Um, so I think it will always... I mean, I went 10-9, obviously, in favour of Pretty Woman because it makes sense. And I think it's one of them that everybody knows about, whether they've seen it or not. Whereas I don't think most people would... I think male and female know Pretty Woman. I don't think a lot of people would know Notting Hill as much. But I do think Notting Hill does have a massive legacy in British cinema. I think if you were to look at like British rom-coms, that would definitely always come up in the top five, potentially even top three list. Probably after Love Actually and whatever else Hugh Grant's in. Fucking pre. Um, <laughs> I yeah. love it. What, Notting Hill? Yeah. I mean, I like both. I think they're both great. Or the last category, shall we? But... No, 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 they're both great. I think I think a large reason for the legacy that Pretty Woman's got as well is the fact it really did just announce Julie Roberts to the world. Like, yeah. they, it made her a star, and um, the lasting impact that had on has obviously spanned decades. So I think that plays a part in it. But, like... Yeah, if she'd not done Pretty Woman, might not have had the best Tinkerbell ever to be made. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Or... Um, no, no, that's it. That's the only thing I care about, Julia Roberts. We might not have had that new one to do with George Clooney, which name I can't even remember. Ticket to Paradise. Ticket to Paradise, yeah. That were all right. But yeah, we might have missed out on that. Her and George Clooney being a divorced couple, that's not a fate we all deserve at all. It was a terrible movie that had amazing chemistry. Fucking bang up movie, I'm telling you. Loved it. <laughs> I worry about you sometimes. <laughs> Um, I mean, literally every waking moment I'm worried about you. Well, at least I know you're thinking about me all the time. <laughs> it's, it's one of those memes where like you can't sleep and your missus is like, she's probably thinking of all these other girls and you're just like, I'm just worrying about Cal. That's, that's going to be Friday's post. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also think just the fact he's made so much fucking money, it's hard to deny the legacy. Like, You can't understand how popular films got to be to be the fourth highest grossing ever. That's such an absurd thing. Like it was like what it was like Star Wars and ET and stuff like that, and then Pretty Woman, like yeah, I mean, highest grossing movie of all time in nineteen ninety. Yeah. You are you are putting in the work today, fucking hell. This is why you need to do it, mate. It was number it wasn't number four, it was number three. Oh, was it? In nineteen ninety it was number three. The only two films about, which is actually pretty funny considering is number two is Home Alone. Which is whatever, but considering Notting Hill, um, the highest grossing film of all time in 1990 was Ghost. Oh, really? So, so no, but... I think they're the highest grossing films of 1990 then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I meant in 1990. So, Pretty Woman came out, was the fourth highest grossing film of all time, and then it was immediately knocked down Probably. later that year. Probably. That's pretty ruthless. Because that because when it came out, I was looking at oh, shit, it's me pen gone. Um, when it came out, it was the fourth highest grossing ever. So I'm guessing because it came out early in 1990. By the end of it, when Home Alone came out and Ghost, they must have or immediately knocked it off that perch. 1990 must have been a big fucking box office year. 1990 in film. Let's have a look. We're really going off the. When I said we need to rush this episode, we've really gone off the rails. I want to know what films came out in 90. The highest grossing film: Ghost, Home Alone, Pretty Woman, ugh, Dancing with Wolves. Oh my god. Total Recall, it beat Back to the Future Part 3 and Die Hard 2. I mean, I'm not surprised it beat Part 3. No, well, I am surprised 
it be number nine on the list because that should be number one. So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Nah, no one give a shit about that, unfortunately. So apparently, when it became number four, it was only behind E.T., which was number one, then um, Star Wars: A New Hope, and then Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. They are big films, aren't they? Yeah, and that was fourth. Oh, it was um, Hank Azaria's first film, Pretty Woman. Oh, well, yeah, he has a really random role in it, like which didn't play. When I first watched it, I thought that was going to be more significant. He's literally the fact that someone yeah. had been killed and he was this police officer. Oh, it was then, the Russell Crowe had a first film as well, Blood Oath. Never heard of it. Uh, so, ninety was it was good for some and bad for others. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I tell you what's refreshing though, like in that top four, ET and Pretty Woman, two films that just they just, they just existed in that without. We didn't get fucking fifteen sequels. Like they were just there and gone. What would uh, the sequel name be to Pretty Woman Two? Or it would be Pretty Woman T O L. Prettier be... Woman. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And Die Harder. Yeah, that's what it'd be. I, like I reckon. It. Um. We still got one category. You won't think so, but we still got one. <laughs> and this one isn't one we've done before, but let's be honest, we were struggling to come up with ten. So we always struggle to come up with ten. Yeah, but we still do it. This is the first time we've had to resort to this. It might be a mainstay. Yeah. And this one is just our personal favourite. Which movie we prefer? Um so like it's pretty straightforward. Which one would, would you prefer rewatching? Which one did you like more? We've talked about this a few times, like how the film that we actually prefer ends up not winning because yeah. when, you, when you break it down into categories, um, it can bring interesting results, like you don't expect it. Yeah. And so this is kind of our way to have a last attempt to sway things in our favor. Um, but I think, like, we never really talk about like which is our favorite out of the two or out of the three that we, or however many we do. So I thought this would be a good category to kind of have a mainstay, mainly because we can never fill the 10, um, but it also is a good way of actually talking about what we like. And I think for me, I, I think Pretty Woman's more of a vibe, but I think the better film, as much as I hate him, is Notting Hill. And for me, like a few other films we've done in the past recently, it's all about the supporting cast um, that really make the film so whilst like I do like Anna, like as much as a character is a bit questionable, I do like Anna Scott. And as much as like obviously I don't like Hugh Grant, I do like William. And you've got like Spike and Max and Martin and Honey and all the all the characters that really, really make the film. And I like how I didn't even know I kind of went into it. I didn't even know if it was my turn, but I like how I think it was the film does kind of twist things on its head by having him reject her and then realise his mistake because it's usually the other way around and or that you usually just have the big declaration of love and then they get together um, and then you have the happy ending so I like that there's a lot of different things the the ain't no sunshine moment is a standout moment in the film really really enjoyed that um, and I just think yeah there's just so much in the film that's likeable. I was find myself smiling and laughing more at a lot more of the jokes. Hugh Bonneville, perfect in that film as well, um, as another bumbling, awkward British man. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, overall, I think I do really like Pretty Woman. Um, I just think Edward kind of ruins it for me a lot. I understand why people would like it. I understand why um, it's considered a good rom-com, um, but not in my perspective. So yeah, I went 10-9 in favour of Notting Hill. Yeah, I did the exact same. I went 10-9 in favour of Notting Hill. Um, mostly for the reasons you just said, like, aside from the stuff with Vivian and Barney, like, the rest of it is quite... Not... It's very simple and, like, rushed. Like I said, like, the one week is never a good premise for a movie, like a rom-com. Like, you can never convince me that a couple are going to fall for lo- in love in a week. Unless, um, unless it's, like... Unless uh, it's me and Rachel McAdams, then I'm all in. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, but what I was gonna fucking idiot. What I was gonna say was if it's like um, Grandma Day and it's one week, but it keeps repeating. Yeah, yeah, but like, like you said, the Notting Hill story. It's just more interesting. There's more layers to it. The characters all have more to do. The twist at the end with her, well, I call it twist and a loose turn. It's not exactly a big plot twist, but like having her proclaim her love and that really emotional iconic speech which it's still remember for now and then that not being the end and him actually turning her down and then later realising his mistake and going to give the big public showing of love which he does like it's just different whereas the Pretty Woman one felt very by the book and like something you'd seen before obviously that's easy to say now I mean I don't know if in the 80s last 90s it was as common but um the stuff with Edward and just like the fact that he's this big rich man paying this woman and then treating her the way he does throughout, it just, it doesn't sit right. And I enjoyed both movies, but I think Notting Hill is one that I could probably rewatch more. Pretty Woman yeah. I'd heard so many good things about. So when I watched it, I was like, no, I like this, but this isn't the fucking big five-star classic that everyone seems to make out. So... Whereas Notting Hill, I didn't really have too many expectations for because it's not something many people talk about, but I just th- I just thought I enjoyed it more, despite Anna being a bit of a bastard. <laughs> I think with Pretty Woman, it's the I think it's a lot of the like the I don't know if if it's the older guy thing or if it's the rich man kind of thing um that does it. I don't know. It just didn't work as much. Didn't work on me. He didn't seduce me. He didn't make. He didn't woo me. He didn't give me the tinglys. No, but also it was random. Like, like I said about the Hank Azaria thing. Like it opens up, and it's this guy investigating this dead prostitute, and then it, we just never touch that again. Like, why? Why is it so fucking dodgy at the beginning? We open up on heat, and then we end up. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I'm like, fucking here we go. We've got a gritty crime drama. But apparently, oh, yeah. the entire film, it turns out that Philip was the murderer, and he's been going around murdering prostitutes, and then or Edward. And when he finds out that uh, Vivian's a prostitute, see, we could make better films. Or maybe Vivian's the killer. Oh. And now and she's targeting rich men. But she's got out of it. She's got. A, she's had a buyout. She's got a nice alibi now in a rich man. Yeah. Or maybe she's targeting Edward. Maybe that's the whole plot. Why would she kill a prostitute? Self-defense. Oh, no, it's got no relation <laughs> to the actual plot. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe she did it and was like, why am I doing this? I should be going after the rich men instead. Oh, so shit, what have I done this for? Fuck. Maybe, maybe it was Kate, that crazy bitch. <laughs> Who knows? But, do you know, I actually saw something, and apparently, originally, the film was pitched as, like, this gritty 
dark movie about like the horrors of like prostitution and stuff. But instead, they went with a rom com. I don't know. I don't know whether that was a good. I mean, it probably was a good decision. It became the fourth highest grossing film of all time. But in 2024, you definitely got more chance of making a film like this. But if it, if it is like the harsh truth and not this glamorized romantic yeah, comedy about a rich man taking a prostitute off the street, I think the only the only moment is when she talks about how nobody ever plans it. Um, mm. She had dreams and stuff, but it just very glossed over in a very like, this is how we're getting close kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that brings it to an end then. We got the scores. It's close, obviously. <laughs> if you had to guess, where do you think it's gone? I guess it I'm guessing it swung Notting Hill's way. You would be correct. It is 191 to 188 in favour of Notting Hill, which most people probably think is blasphemous considering how highly rated Pretty Woman seems to be, but we have our own opinions, damn it. We are white men with our own opinions. Yeah. It's about time they were heard. <laughs> I'm sick of my opinions being smothered by the women. I'm only joking. Please don't. <laughs> I love how you, even, even when you were saying that, you got to kind of like you were second guessing whether to finish that sentence. <laughs> yeah. I'm well, sick of my opinions being smothered by women. <laughs> I know that was my uh, Hugh Grant impression. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Notting Hill won. I mean, didn't, didn't Hugh Grant get caught with a prostitute? I think he did actually. Maybe that's what. Maybe that's could have should have been the basis for the year. We're doing one. We're doing a Julia Roberts film about prostitutes, and then we brought in Hugh Grant because he fucking loves them. <laughs> maybe he should have been Edward. Maybe that's um, where we've been going wrong. <laughs> More believable. I'm not really sure what the fuck Hugh Grant was doing in 1990, but uh, it wouldn't be. I don't think it'd been quite the same because he definitely wasn't old enough to be. This fucking like sugar daddy type of thing that was what was going no, on. But yeah, so it's 191, 188. Notting Hill wins by three. Uh, both good films though, so it makes sense that it was fairly close. Um, going in, I thought Pretty Woman was going to win. I just thought, even before watching them, obviously I'd heard so much good stuff about it. I just assumed it was going to win. I, I thought it'd walk away with it, to be fair, but pleasantly surprised. Well, I've seen Nine Hill for a few times. I've only seen Pretty Woman once, but I'm pretty sure I remembered liking Pretty Woman more. But when I watched them this time, I was like, no, I, I like Notting Hill more. But I won't I have to admit it on the podcast, but I didn't admit it's Grace at the time. I'm not I'm not letting her know that I enjoyed it. Well, it's just which one does Grace prefer? I think she said both of them are kind of like her. They're like they're they're the films that she can like recite and whatever. Yeah. They're her rom coms, so it's she ten tender essentially. Yeah, essentially. No matter what I've said on this podcast, I'm going to get an earring. Yeah, no matter what you said, was it was wrong. Even if I pro, do you know what? Even if I praise something, she'll probably say, "Well, you didn't even talk about this." We're, we're fucking old men now. Our memories aren't what they used to be. I forget all sorts. Sometimes I'll be talking about one of these categories and I'll talk about it. And then when it gets to your turn, you'll mention something in my head. I'll be like, fuck, how did I even mention that? Like, how did I forget that thing existed? I do that all the time with you. It's fun. Yeah. It's our memories. They're not what they once were. But yeah, that brings uh, another episode to an end. Then we've got one final rom com week next week with arguably the most famous romantic comedy of all time. And in your words, one of the best modern yeah yeah that i've never seen so i don't really know too much about another twist unfortunately that got spoiled for me um yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's still great. Yeah, um, it's, it's crazy how great it is, and it's stupid how much I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, did you have that plan, or did you just come off the spot? I was trying to play it cool. I just came up with it on the spot. I was hoping you weren't going to pay too much attention to it. <laughs> yeah, we've written it down since last week. <laughs> yeah, it's still on my own. No, yeah. So we've got two very big ones next week um, to bring Valentine's Month to an end. Like I said, one of the most famous ever. The one that a lot of people credit for really kickstarting, like the rom, the, especially the more modern rom com trend. Um, I could look to reenact one of the more famous scenes in the film, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're doing that, aren't you? I thought you, we agreed you were going to do it. No, 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 no. Not at all. <laughs> Won't be fair on everyone listening. You won't be able to concentrate after that. that yeah, where does that like, podcast go? We've reached the top at that point. It's only it be, it's only down from there. You might be the most listened to if you start doing that. That's it's only down I, from that I'll point. Have it on beat. <laughs> you do it, we'll be reported. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we hope you enjoyed watching this slash listening to this, guys. If you are watching on YouTube, feel free to subscribe to the channel and like the video. Uh, if you are listening on any of the podcast platforms, feel free to subscribe to the channels on there and please leave us a nice review. Um, if you want to find us anywhere, our details are below on X uh, and Letterboxd, where we are watching plenty. My letterbox is about to change drastically because I'm doing a dissertation for uni on... Um, women in horror film, more me, especially more mainstream 21st century horror, and how they've been portrayed, and how that has evolved following the Me Too, me Too movement, or whether it has evolved. I don't know if it has yet. That's what I'm about to find out. So, there's gonna be a lot of like slashes in my letterbox from the last like 25 years. Some of the worst shit I've ever seen, probably. I'm just gonna watch so many just to. After I've got enough information. So that's probably where my letterbox is heading right now. Yours is still on your fucking shit lizard thing. Don't even fucking dare. Godzilla, my baby. Is... You say this, but every week it's like two and a half stars. It's like. But I still love him. Well, that says more about you than anything. My letterbox is also going through a big change. Uh, not for <laughs> serious reasons as yours. I finally caved and I'm going to start logging my rewatches. Oh yeah, I saw that. So if that. I'm gonna if I'm gonna try and average out one film a day, I can't do it by watching films for this podcast that I've already seen because <laughs> it takes up time in my nights and my week. Uh, so I need to start logging my rewatches. Also, it'll be interesting to see how many times I've watched um, any of the Star Wars. As I'm assuming, Last Jedi will probably get a few rewatches by the end of the year. Yeah, I think it's fun to do the rewatches so you can see how many times. Like I've already put Iron Claw three times. That's my most watched film so far this year. Um, since I started Letterboxd, um, 2022, I think. I think Iron Claw is already like my fourth most rewatched movie. I've not done too many rewatches. I, I'm tempted to go watch it again. Take, um, take my brother in law to watch it because it's, it's such a good movie. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Did you cry? I got very teary at the end, yeah. Yeah, I cried like five times. Got no shame. You cry at fucking the credits to Mamma Mia too. Something fucking right, I do. When Sam and Donna reunite, <laughs> fucking it's hell. not worth thinking about. I'll <laughs> cry now. <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks for watching, and we will be back next week with our final episode of Valentine's Month. Um, we hope to see you there. Peace out. See you soon.